Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, it's really good to start the day off with a laugh and a chuckle. Oh, my. We're having so much fun here at Daybreak Devotions behind the scenes. Uh, you, would, you just couldn't imagine how much fun we're having. And here's the irony of it all. This morning, as I was preparing to come and do this broadcast, I thought, you know, I know Friday Fun Day is a beloved tradition, but we need to get right to the Bible study today because we need to finish this. We've given a lot of time to some other things the last couple of days. And then you and I had coffee with our good friend, Sir Thomas of Gaskin. Yes, we did. And I tell you, after that that conversation, I I just came back with a whole new spirit. And I said, you know what? I, I got to keep the fun going. And so here we are. I mean, I'm starting out with laughter on on uh, this broadcast. What what You couldn't ask for more than that. Not at all. And you needed it, too. Yeah. A poor guy over there behind the controls. Needing an additional one or two monitors to help you keep up with everything because, you know, we've got all this technology now to make life easy. (sighs) Well, anyway, this is Pastor Mike Barnett along with Pastor Corey. I'm slightly frustrated Cantrell, and we're coming to you from the McLeansville Baptist Church. I'm getting less frustrated as this goes because it's like anything else. You just got to give it time to get started, get flowing, get it rolling good, and then before long, it's all great. Yeah, plus you know that I've decided to have a little fun today after all. Yes. And somebody's mowing their yard. (laughs) (laughs) Who is mowing the yard at 6.30 in the morning? Well, the sun does come up earlier earlier now, and time changes just around the corner. When does that happen? Uh, November. Oh, it's not this month? Uh Uh-uh. Well, it never hurts to start practicing. Speaking of time, the old clock over here on the wall is running. So, folks, if you hear the alarm go off, you know we went over time. Yeah, it's not an emergency evacuation drill. It's normal. Uh, here's what I wanted to say today. Because it's October in the first week of October, and because it's 64 years since this beautiful thing began. That's right, folks. We want to take you back to Mayberry. On this Friday edition of... Daybreak Devotions, I've got a challenge for you. It was 64 years ago this week. Uh, Actually, October the 3rd, 1960. We've talked about this before, but you can never talk about Andy too much. The New Housekeeper, Episode 1, Season 1, premiered on CBS. Sheldon Leonard was the director of that first episode. And you know who Sheldon, Sheldon Leonard was. I do. Tell us. It was uh, Nick from um, It's a Wonderful Life. Exactly. Nick the bartender from It's a Wonderful Life. Was a director of The Andy Griffith Show, many episodes. Another director of The Andy Griffith Show that folks might not know was a guy by the name of Richard Crenna. I have no idea who that is. Well, you'll remember when I say it, he's also the guy that played Colonel Troutman in the Rambo movies. Oh. Remember one of my trivia questions that I asked you and somebody one time, might have been Bruce Fry. Probably. Was what did what what do John Rambo and Barney Fife have in common? Yeah. They were both trained by Richard Crenna. Yeah, I remember that now. Hence the com- the noticeable 
similarities between the two characters. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, episode one, season one, the Taylor's old housekeeper Rose is getting married and moving away, and Aunt B, played by Francis Bavier, moves in to take care of Andy and Opie, but Opie needs a little adjustment. Opie sure ain't happy about it. He ain't, but in the end he is, because Aunt B needs him. How's she ever going to do anything? She don't know how to do anything. He needs her. Yeah. She can't fish. She can't play ball. You know? The struggle's real. Well, in honor of that, and I'm going to do this quickly because we've got to get to our Bible study, but I know all you listeners out there love a good Andy Griffith uh, uh, moment. So I've got not tr- not trivia where I'm going to ask you questions. Thank I know heavens. you don't enjoy that too much, but courtesy of uh, Lifestyle, the website, I have an article in front of me, 11 surprising things you never knew about The Andy Griffith Show. You can't put those statements together because they're not surprising that I didn't know them. (laughs) Well, surprising to you, I already knew all 11 of these things. Not that I want to brag or anything. Because that's just not your style. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, there's people out there that think that I think that you shouldn't enjoy anything in life and be a fan of anything. I, I'm totally I totally disagree with that. Yeah, because you're a big Andy Griffith fan. Oh yeah, I'm big. It's big ain't the word for it. But I did, and most people know the sad story. I missed Mayberry Days this year after months and months of planning to be there. I missed it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Maybe they'll be next year. Don't worry. We'll get we'll get them. <laughs> so yes, here we go. All those shows are on the air for only a few years, and movies are one-time things. Some are truly timeless in America's heart. Take It's a Wonderful Life, for example, around the holiday season. Fans come to know and love characters who end up feeling like real friends as we become accustomed to their personalities, strengths, and weaknesses. But there are also things going on behind the scenes that the average viewer doesn't get exposed to. Dun, dun, dun! What a perfect cue for that. So, what are these 11 things that you never knew about The Andrew Griffith Show? I'm having to make my own sound effects these days. All right, here you go. First one. Did you know that Barney had multiple middle names? No. Well, now, I thought maybe you would have been privy to that one. If you pay close attention, you'll notice that a wide range of middle names are given to Barney throughout the show. In one instance, it's Oliver. And in another episode, it's Milton. But, of course, he's probably most famously remembered for what? Barney Pooh? Close. Oh. P. They don't yeah. actually say what the P stands for, but if we use Andy's, um, actually, it wasn't Andy that come up with that. It was, uh, was it Ramona at the diner? Juanita. Juanita. Yeah. Anyway, somebody gave Barney the Christmas p- yeah. card and it said Barney Parney Poo. So, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, he had a middle name that starts with the initial P. All right. So that's the first thing. Barney had multiple middle names. By the way, you know, I just want everybody to know. It's a long-time dream of mine to host an Andrew Griffith Show-themed podcast, like my friend Alan Newsom. Oh, not like a Andy Griffith Show-themed episode of a podcast. No. But like, like we're just going to have a podcast once, once a week. We'll just come on and talk Andy. Huh. Wouldn't that be fun? Be something. America needs more of that. Yeah. So uh, anybody talks to Alan Newsom out there, ask him if he's looking for a partner. So now this is all the rage right now, but it's it's these... 
podcast review where like you walk through the episodes mm-hmm. and so basically the host like reads the literal script and like the stage movements and like this is what's going on with the characters and wow. then you discuss what's taking place in the episode now I, by and large most of those podcasts are being done by the former actors of the show oh so that would be interesting you're getting their perspective of like this is what's taking place in the scene and so they're able to give their character dialogue well, we could do that with my portrayal in Oliver, my high school musical that we did. Oh, you know, I was. Uh, oh man, what's the bad? What's the villain's name in that? I don't know what Oliver is. Well, it's a musical about an orphan. You know, Oliver, Oliver, Oliver. Oh, like Oliver Twist. Yeah. Oh. Food, glorious food. Please, sir, I want some more. Is that line in there? It's got to be. That's like the only I, I line anybody so. knows from Oliver Twist. All I know is I had a famous death scene. I got shot and fell off a bridge. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, number two, we got 11 of these. <laughs> Stay with us, Mountain Monk. Here we go. Uh, number two, Andy Griffith paid homage to his real father in the intro. Now, this is one I didn't know. I think I was wrong earlier. I might have said I knew all these. I should have said I knew most of these. I didn't know this one. Uh, when you watch the theme song playing and Andy and Opie are walking down, when Opie throws the rock and Andy does the head nod like, like that, uh, those of you who know, you can see it in your head, but that's a tribute to his own father because he said that his dad would, that's the way he would show approval. So it was a shout out to Pops. Huh. Very good. Uh, number three, Andy and Barney were cousins only in one season. That's the way this says it. But I almost want to push that further and say it was only mentioned one time. Yeah. And it was in episode one. When he says, thanks. When he's talking about how he, he, glad, he was glad to get the job on his own merit and all that kind of stuff and said, I really appreciate it, cousin Andy. Nepotism was alive and well. Yes, it was. (laughs) Uh, Yep. In the beginning of season one, Andy would often refer to his partner in crime as Cousin Barney. However, you'll notice that as the season goes on, that stops. They must have written each other out of their wheels. So here's my question. Is he his cousin only in one season? Like, Does does it ever actually officially make the break where they're just friends? I think all of us who are true fans have just know they were cousins and they just quit having to refer to each other that way. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, like, Bo and Luke would do that sometimes. They would call each other cousin, you know, but not all the time. Is that Was that ever, like, actually a thing, like, where you referred to your cousin as cousin so-and-so? Well, if you're from Mayberry or Hazard County. I reckon. <laughs> uh, number four, Andy's nickname, Ange, on the show was Griffith's real nickname. Well, not breaking news, but still interesting. Number five, Francis Bavier didn't like Griffith Offset. I, I, no, I did know that one. Yep. Yep, Francis Bavier, who played Aunt B within with the, uh, in the show, had a pretty good fictional relationship with Griffith on screen, but off screen they didn't hit it off so well. And the good news on that is that before she passed away, she called Andy and they reconciled. Hmm. She apologized, he apologized. They never got back together or anything, but I always thought that was a nice end to the story. Yeah, uh, most of our listeners probably know, maybe not, but Miss. Aunt B. Francis Bavier is buried not too far from here in Siler City, North Carolina. Wow. You can go see her grave and leave a jar of pickles. Oh, boy. Can we put a picture of the of her grave in the show notes, a link to it, so you can see all the pickles? That's actually a thing? People take jars of pickles and leave yeah, it I told you about that. I took the family down there a few years, two or three years ago, and we went and saw the grave, and there's pickle jars all around it. Wow. Some of them have been there for years. That's disgusting. Yeah. Number six, Don Knotts received single bullets as fan mail. So people would mail Don Knotts a bullet as a fan appreciation. That's got to be a felony. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because Andy often limited Barney to just one single bullet in his gun, and due to that fact, he was care- due to the fact that he was careless with the weapon. So, actor Don Knotts would often receive single bullets in the mail as a sign of love from his fans. How nice! Or death threats, either way. The an- number seven, the Andrew Griffith Show ended at number one. How many uh, shows actually get to do that? That's impressive. So when it went off the air, it went off as the number one ranked show. Um, that year. So it literally went out on top. There was it no did. decline. Only two, and, and I've read this before and I just saw it in the notes here, but only two other shows, and this is usually put in all those Andrew Griffith Show books, only two other shows have ever went off the air at number one. Popular I sh- Love Lucy. Oh, okay, I can see that. Went off the air yep. at number one. Okay. And then Seinfeld. Wow. Yep. Well, I, I don't know what that says about American culture, but it's uh, we'd be worth a study. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Griffith and Knotts were opposite of their characters in real life. Now, you have to throw in a little thing there, because if you look at season one and two, you see kind of the goofy Andy, and then from season three on, you see this serious, almost grouchy Andy, and again, we all know why, Helen, mm-hmm. you know, and he ends up marrying the one that makes him grouchy, go figure, but anyway, here's the way the article reads it, Andy was known to be the more reserved compared to Barney, who was a goofball half the time or more. However, fans will find it interesting that their off-screen personalities were quite different from what people saw on the show. Andy, or excuse me, that means, yes, that means that Knotts was actually a pretty serious guy in real life. And like everything that he's in, he's kind of this like eccentric, cut up, Mm -hmm. oddity kind of guy. Actually, I I read the book and and I always put a disclaimer on this. The book Andy and Don that came out a few years ago. I read that book, and, and I, my disclaimer is, if you don't want to spoil your impression of Andy and Barney, don't read that book. But if you want to get a sense of what their lives were really like and who they really were, that book pretty much lays it out. And here's the thing about Don Knotts. He was a ladies' man. So that, where it's a running gag in the Andrew Griffith show, was actually kind of factual. Yeah, I <laughs> guess it was, just without the comedic... Yeah. Aspect. Without the without the harmless, you know, ha 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 funny nature of him running around on Thelma Lou with Juanita and everybody else. Oh yeah, he's exactly right. <laughs> Probably written 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 in on purpose. Number nine, Knotts went into the first episode not knowing if he would return. Now, a lot of people don't know this. Barney or or Don Knotts actually called up Andy when he saw that the show was going to be made and he had seen the the um the Danny Thomas episode that brought Andy in and and Don Knotts called Andy, whom he had met on the set of No Time for Sergeants, and said, you're going to need a deputy. And Andy said, well, talk to, I don't know if it's Sheldon or who it was he talked to, but said talk to them. And sure enough, they brought Barney in. So the article says, uh, when most of the actors and actresses started working in the very first episode, most didn't have a secure contract, including Don Knotts. But after seeing the great chemistry between characters, Andy and Barney, the director made sure to uh, lock knots in. So, got a question for you? Because I know you have a different than most um, viewpoint on the second deputy, Warren. Warren. Yeah. Okay. Huh? You're you're not yeah. you're huh? not anti Warren huh? like so many. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, man, you missed your <laughs> cue. We could have actually done it. I don't. Huh? Yeah. Huh? huh? What? Huh? I don't see. It's I'm. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Oh, it's, Let's I try it one know. more time. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Anyhow, so I can't, how do you do that? I can't do it like you do it. What is your opinion? Would the Andy Griffith show have been as timeless 
were it not for Don Knotts as the as the initial deputy? No, hundred percent, no way. Okay, but yes, I do think Warren was pretty good, but, but he was no Barney. But Don Knotts was definitely part of the cement that made it the anchor that it is in American culture. Absolutely. Okay. And it had to be Andy and Barney. It had to be Andy and Don together. They, right. They made it. Number 10, Opie was not the one who threw the rock in the intro. So there's a fact that most people don't know. I guess maybe in the later seasons when he's bigger, he to do it. But in the first one, the first season or two, when they show him throw the rock, he actually couldn't get the rock out far enough. And so they had someone staged behind the tree line that you couldn't see that would actually Chunk toss the a rock. rock. And so if you know that and then you watch the intro, you'll see this delay. It's like, wow, it took a while for that to get there. <laughs> All right, last one. Number 11, Don Knotts asked for part ownership of the Andy Griffith show but was declined. Oh, man. Yeah, it was around the same time that he started looking into other work. Now, some people think that Barney just got angry or Don Knotts got angry and left. That wasn't really the whole story. He did ask for partnership and did not get offered a partnership. But Andy was also at the point where they were about – he thought they were going to end the show at season five. And he kind of put that word out, I think we're done. I think we all can move on. So Andy – I mean, Barney got – Don Knotts got contracts with Disney to start making movies. And once that happened, he never looked back. And so that's show business, fellas. Got that right. There's no business like show business. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we'll end it right there. Cue the music down. Well, that was fun. And uh, here I was going to not take time today on Friday Fun Day and just could not help myself. It's the story of our lives. (laughs) Well, you're the victim. I'm the perpetrator. (laughs) All right, let's go back to uh, our study here on belief in God or belief in our belief. My old running clock over near the wall says that i got to get on with this. Time is short. Well, let's pick it back up where we left off yesterday, and we had just posed the difference between belief in God and belief in our belief and why that matters. And I mentioned James chapter 2 and verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, that thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And, and I, I don't remember if I said this or not yesterday. I think I did, but we've all heard before, likely, that this belief of the devils that's described here is it's been described as like this lesser sort of belief as in their faith in God is not the same kind of faith that we're to have. Well, that is true in a sense. And we tried to lay that out yesterday in that there is a belief that is real, but it's not the belief that saves us. And that's what the James is bringing out about the devils. But that actual word believe there is the same exact word as Acts 16:31, And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So it is real belief, but it's also what we could call a lesser belief. In fact, I had this thought about that. We could call the belief that, that James is talking about that the devils have, we could all actually call that a condemning belief because they're going to be judged by that. In other words, they believe. The, the devils believe in Jesus. When, when Jesus is confronted in the synagogue and in the by the wild man of Gadara, mm-hmm. the demon in him says, we know who you are, right? So this kind of belief that, that knows, like I know that, that God is real and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that is a real belief, but not saving belief, 
could also be called a condemning belief because it will be used to judge them. It's an acceptance of fact, but a but a rejection of maybe the implication. Surrender. Yeah, like or yeah, not giving yourself to it. Yeah, like I yeah, I mean, of course, it's fact. I believe that it's fact, but I don't want nothing to do with it. It's to use our Andy Griffith Show analogy, right? You would say, yeah, I mean, Andy Griffith Show is a pretty good show. I, I like it. I I believe it's a good show. Yeah. But when I talk about it, that's the best thing that ever come across the television screen, right? It's two different things. And while that is a weak analogy, like our sports analogy, it makes the point. There is a belief that is an agreement that, hey, that fact I agree with. I believe that. I I'm know not, it's real. I'm not going to argue against it. Right. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, hey, you know, hey, I'll, I'll amen you. Yeah. But I'm not giving over to that. And that's what the devils have, and that's what a lot of people have. You know, it's a hard truth of Scripture that those who have known the truth but not submitted to it will be judged more harshly. Luke chapter 12, verse 43 through 48. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing, that is, doing the, his, his Lord's will. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes." For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him will they a will ask the more. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's one of those passages of scriptures you don't hear a lot of preaching on. And when you do, it's typically involving finances, money, things, possessions. You know, to whom much has been given, much is going to be required. But if you, if you, you hear others that want to try to explain it by saying, well, yeah, they really didn't believe. But that's not true. They were counted as a servant. They were someone who believed but when they turned, they were, what's the, the language that Jesus uses? He will appoint him with his portion with the unbelievers. Not that he was an unbeliever. He was a believer. Mm -hmm. But he gets put with the unbelievers. Why? Because he had a belief, but it wasn't saving belief. Man, that is so important to, to think about and consider. When we look at our life, and I mean, I say we, I've done the look, okay? But I think everybody who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, needs to look at passages like that and say, I'm a believer, but am I saved? Mm -hmm. do, I believe in, in the, do I believe in it to that level? And I think one of the goodness, one of the many goodnesses that comes from this kind of a conversation, there's ultimately no harm that comes from it. How are we going to not but benefit by examining what is my belief really in? Like, I, I get it. Some people maybe get uncomfortable. Well, what are you insinuating? What are you saying? Strip all of that away. How is it going to come from harm to take the inventory to make sure, man, is this the category that I fall into? Or is my belief genuine? Am I, am I a devoted follower? We're only going to improve by asking ourselves that question and examining. So as it gets uncomfortable... Enter into the discomfort, embrace the discomfort, and take the discomfort to God because it is something def definitely worth being serious about. 
Well, and the question that will follow that is then, well, if I have doubts about it, how do I make sure that I'm a, a believer who believes and is saved? Well, let me give you some encouragement. God's not trying to make it hard. Mm-hmm. It's you know, Jesus has done what it takes to save you. It really is about a surrender. Just pursue him, follow him, love him, seek him. I mean, that's what this comes down to. It's not about a moment in time that you pray to prayer. I mean, I'm not knocking the praying the prayer, and I'm not knocking that moment. There, are, there, there comes a decision point somewhere, but look, don't rest everything on, well, yes, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus, and I ask Jesus to save me so I know I'm going to heaven. But then you read a passage like that, and you're uncomfortable with it. Well, don't be uncomfortable with it. Let the discomfort push you toward assurance. Yeah. Because God is not trying to make this hard. He wants to save you. He will save you. All you got to do is believe, okay? How do we know if we have the right sort of belief in God? Well, you got to go to the rest of the context around that verse in James. James 2, verse 17 and 18 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So saving faith, as opposed to what we might want to call now lesser or condemning faith or belief, is belief which transforms the heart and life in every way. How do I know if I have the right kind of belief? Because that belief is transforming you. Not just by installing a religious programming where we join a church and agree to believe some teachings and secure a grave plot in the church cemetery. Not that. I want to look at the difference between this genuine belief in God and belief and belief in God. But I want to remind everybody again, something we said two days ago, I think, maybe even again yesterday. We're, we're not suggesting that someone who is believing their belief about God is not saved. You know, I couldn't say that anyway. Um, I, I, w- I won't say that. But what I can say is that faith in faith alone is not salvation. But faith in Jesus Christ is salvation, and that's important. But let me add to that thought. Jesus spoke of how the faith that is the size of a grain of mustard seed could move mountains. I mean, just think about that for a moment. How much faith does it take to get saved? Not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, because it's of grace. And we're going to talk about that at some point before this series is over, but One of the men Jesus encountered in the Scripture acknowledged and confessed that he had weak faith when he said, Lord, I believe, but please help me in my unbelief. And Jesus did. He helped him. And so we know that God honors our true faith, even if that true faith is shrouded in doubt and fear and misdirection at times. By the way, that's another great lesson from Psalm 105 through 107 where all this started. Because you're going to see in there a lot of doubt, a lot of misdirection, and yet you see someone who is trusting God to lead them and to save them and to help them. And that's what the journey of faith is. Well, we'll, we'll stop there today. And I guess because I couldn't resist myself and had to have a little Friday fun day, we're going to push this to Monday. And we'll finish on Monday, I promise. But I do think that what we have talked about in the last 12 minutes or whatever it's been, I think it's something to consider, and I think it's something to take away today and and really do some some prayerful consideration on. Paul said, examine yourselves, whether Mm -hmm. you be in the faith. We don't want to live in doubt, and this isn't about creating doubt. This is about some self-awareness, soul awareness. What do I really sense inside of me? And bringing all of that to God with faith in Christ to say, I don't want to be somebody that just believes in belief. 
I don't want to be just somebody that has religious programming installed. I want to be somebody who puts their full faith and trust in Jesus, surrenders totally to him, and follows him. Because then that person will be anchored from doubt and will be unmovable. You won't be able to shake their faith because they've done the work to examine it and to know what their faith truly is in. Well, with that, we say have a great weekend. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.